Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. God said, let there be light, and there was light. From Genesis 1, verses 1 to 4. This week, it was Trinity Sunday, marked by bold red vestments before we enter the long green of Pentecost. Our understanding of the Trinity is considered impossible by theologians and scholars alike, and I agree. However, with faith, I believe that God is three persons in one. The Bible tells me so. In Genesis, God the Father, the first person of the Trinity, created the heavens and the earth by speaking, let there be light, and there was light. In John's first chapter of his gospel, he states that in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. There's the son, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. During creation, his spirit, the third person of the Trinity, was moving over the surface of the water. We see Jesus promise to send the spirit to help his disciples when he's taken up into heaven to be with his father, a Pentecost in the form of tongues of fire. Furthermore, in Matthew's gospel, we hear Jesus tell his disciples to go out and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's in uh, chapter 28, verse 19. And to bring the nations of the world under God's obedience. We don't need to know how the Trinity works for it to exist, but we do need faith. As Christians, we're believers not only of the physical world that we can see, but also the supernatural world, which we can't see. We expect God to reveal himself through the natural world and our own circumstances as we develop a lasting personal relationship with him. It's enough for me that God is my advocate. His son became incarnate so he could save me, and his spirit dwells within me always. So I say a simple prayer while making the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny, and I'm here to dispel the preconceived ideas many have about what educating our children at home looks like. For some, it's straightforward school. For me, it suited the maverick that lurked within when I decided I didn't want to miss anything my children were doing by handing them over to folk who weren't their mother. So we mixed it up and shared our time between books and play. Over the years, I've spoken to a wide range of homeschooling mothers, fathers, and graduates, from the secular to the missionary, the academic to the child-led. For us, homeschooling becomes a suffix for home, boat, biking, the world, you name it. We can find educational opportunities anywhere. And I've moved in and out of my comfort zones. Children will do that for you, gaining insights and delights along the way, which I'm happy to share with you. With or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy, and sometimes frustrating. But for me, it starts and ends with God. The beauty of his creation, silence, a starry night, a rousing piece of music, or a simple hug. And if you pop by, 
I'll offer you a cup of cold brewed coffee and a chocolate biscuit to tickle your taste buds. But I understand if I don't see you, you're over there and I'm over here broadcasting live from Turkey Creek in Florida. After the first break, I'm delighted to be welcoming back Peter Kowalki, who was last here two years ago. Peter's an unschooler whose experiences have led him on an interesting spiritual journey. And today we're going to be talking about ways in which we can better appreciate this world that we live in. You won't want to miss this fascinating young man, so just stay tuned and I'm ready to get started. So why don't you grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNinnies, where we're enjoying storms and rain. You wouldn't believe that we're in Florida, not the tropics. It does. It feels very tropical. I'll be talking about walking in the rain, lifelong learning, no interruptions, and how we're keeping up with the children. Are you ready? So, what's this brewed coffee? Cold brewed coffee. I can see you asking that question out there. My blue-eyed cowboy loves to join me in a cup of coffee when we stop for our first break of the day around lunchtime. I use a French press and I drink it hot. He uses ice to cool it down and he weakens the brew. Our wildlife and naturalist son told us about cold brew. So we gave it a whirl last week and it really is very good, although it uses about half as much again in coffee. Measure the grounds into a coffee pot. We used our cafetiere. I used six scoops instead of the regular four, stir it up, and then I depressed the lid of the cafetiere about one third down so that it would fit in my fridge. But if you have a really tall space in your fridge, you don't have to do that. And I left it for 24 hours. Then I strained it. Hey, presto, a smooth, tasty glass of java. I was impressed. And my cowboy got a full strength shot of caffeine that afternoon and it lasted him for two lunches. Well, in order to get into the mindset of what Peter Kowalki and I are going to be talking about later on, I want to go back to some thoughts I had with a guest of mine, Deborah Bell, about lifelong learning. Deborah Bell is an entrepreneur and speaker at Apology Alive. She explored a theme I've noticed cropping up with home educators. There's no retiring from it. Unlike many other jobs, the homeschool culture never lets go. Once a home educator, always a home educator. Once home educated, always home educated. Deborah told me how much she enjoyed being with her children, teaching them during her 18 18 year career in that capacity. In fact, she enjoyed it so much, she went back to college herself to do her doctorate, focusing on what a homeschool looks like today. The wide diversity of teaching strategies, the absence of no child left behind in the home classroom, the installation of high standards of education and the instilling of a genuine love to continue our education. And of course, no common core. Back 18, 20 or even 30 years ago, homeschooling looked quite different to the homeschooling or unschooling of today. As we learn alongside our children, something happens, at least it did with me. I may not have been equipped to teach my high schoolers, or at least my first high schooler, but by the time I got to the second, third, fourth child, I'd become an expert and I enjoyed learning calculus, chemistry, physics, equally as much as history, rhetoric and composition. Well, mostly I did. Sometimes I took more from what I was learning than my students did. Their main focus was usually on the pool or what was happening outside. 
Personally, I think school can be wasted on some of our young. I've had guests who agree that school and college aren't for everyone at the same time of their lives. Each child should be able to decide for himself or herself whether they're ready for further education. For example, or even for education, <laughs> for example, I have a daughter who didn't want to formally pursue any more academics, hence the vocational theatre and performance college she attended while we were in London. But she did say that sometime in the future, she'll probably go back to school and take a degree. And she's grateful to already have completed her associates. Further education, though, is important for our children. Mike Donnelly from HSLDA said it's a godly expectation to pursue the higher knowledge available to us in our world. And through Deborah's research, she tells us that our children are hardwired and have been since creation to learn. It's how they do best and this and what is how they best do this and when the time is right for them to move on that we as homeschooling parents are privileged to be able to discern with them the right time for moving on the right time to learn how to read the right time from going to watching sesame street every day to actually sitting down and writing something you can find all of that out as a homeschool parent just by watching your children during my homeschooling years I was challenged by my children to learn how to memorize all over again I had to memorize stuff formulas and equations latin conjugations and poetry favorite lines from books and plays didn't want the children to leave me way behind memorizing things and I couldn't remember anything not to mention all of my children's friends names that I didn't so that I didn't address them all as hey you <laughs> unlike Deborah although I loved the alongside learning that existed at Wildflower I wasn't tempted to return to college to pursue another degree as soon as my children were successfully sprung from the kitchen table but that doesn't mean we didn't stop modeling what lifelong learning looked like have you ever sat back and scratched your head and said I thought I knew everything when something stupid backfires and you like a this is too good to be true sales pitch, for example, and you kick yourself for falling for the scam or a promise made by an acquaintance or a fact of history becomes uncovered that you'd never heard of before, like the legal homeschooling battles fought on our behalf in the early 80s. When this happens, I'm always eager to share my new knowledge with my children and with you out there. Then I think how fortunate my kids are because of homeschooling and having such terrific parents. Parents. But I don't know that there'll be new things for them to find out too for the rest of their lives. Of course there will be. They don't think there will be. They think they know it all. Some of it is learned once and then forgotten for years until it comes to us again as deja vu. Am I going to go the rest of my life making mistakes? Not the same ones, I would hope. Can I give my mistakes to the Lord and turn them into something positive or constructive? Of course. How much more is there to learn about the complex art of living? There's never a time when learning ends and anyone who thinks there is, is not a lifelong learner. Um, and Deborah and I talked about how the homeschool today looks completely different. There's so much more, as I said, on the Internet. And there are so many people who are willing to share their expertise with you. And Deborah is one of them. And you can go find her on DebraBell.com. And um, in England, parents are allowed to educate their children. It's their duty to secure education of their compulsory age, school age children, suitable to their age, ability and aptitude, either by regular attendance at school or 
Otherwise, the fact that it's up to the parents to educate their children at school or otherwise is laudable and forms the foundation for the homeschooling movement in England. And in America, it's lawful to homeschool in all the states, thanks to pioneers in the movement who went to court and fought for that right. We're the parents sowing the seeds of lifelong learning for our future generations. And after this break, you'll be able to listen to my guest, Peter Kowalki, talk about what he has reaped from his experience as an unschooler. And um, I'm going to have a sip of my cold, cold coffee, which is delicious. And I'm watching both my dogs stretched out in here. I hope they don't start to bark so somebody comes through the driveway. But anyway, I'm going to be back in just a few minutes after these few messages. So don't go far. Go replenish your drink and come back and hear my interview. handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Join us for Healing with the Marika Method. This is an amazingly informative show to help heal people as well as their horses, dogs, and cats. This show inspires and empowers people to take charge of their own health and their animals' health using the power of diet, nutrition, natural medicines, and lifestyle to heal a variety of health problems. Learn how food impacts all physical and emotional health conditions and how diet and natural medicines are used to heal the body, mind, and spirit. Marika is a health and nutrition specialist, homeopathic practitioner, a gifted medical intuitive and healer, and an author and educator with over two decades of experience in clinical practice for people and their pets. Join our host, Marika Vandewater, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Evermore, people have the means to live but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Viktor Frankl, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Similuka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. 
I'm thrilled to be welcoming Peter Kowalki back as my guest this week. Peter is a self-described lifelong unschooler whose highly praised documentary Grown Without Schooling followed 10 unschooled graduates into the world and recorded how they fared in their individual life choices. Peter lives in New York City and has consulted as a homeschool expert for media outlets such as the BBC, New York Times, Times of India and Fox News. The last time we spoke, he just returned from a six-month spiritual sojourn in Asia and I have invited him to talk to us this afternoon about how unschooling has shaped him into the young man he is today. As you will hear, Peter has a very solid sense of self. Good afternoon, Peter, and welcome to my show. Uh, Good afternoon. Thanks for having me, Vivian. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. I'm sorry, I I rattle on because I want to get on with talking to my guests. I want to to introduce you, but I also want to, you know, get to the conversation. So hopefully people will just kind of go, oh, well, maybe they'll tune into me really fast or whatever and and get it. So, well, how are you? It's been two years. Uh, Yeah, it... uh... It's been a a wild journey the past two years as well. Uh, The last time we talked, I was, uh, as you mentioned, I'd just come back from India, uh, living at uh, several monasteries. And uh, then when I got back to the United States, I I had the challenge of putting it into practice. um, Okay. Because, you know, we we can talk about spirituality all all we like, but unless we're actually put it into use, uh, it it doesn't really amount to much. So the next the last two years, I've been trying to figure out what that means exactly. Okay, and um, I'm not going to ask you right now whether you figured it out, because that's that'll be later. But you've you've also got an unschooler um, website, the unschooler experiment. Is that still going? I noticed that you've got a couple of contributing writers that that go ahead and are writing reviews and the podcast. We do. Um, okay. We've been running the Unschool Experiment since uh, 2010, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we're actually in the midst of a relaunch. So we, we're producing uh, content about, about once a week at this point, but mm-hmm. we're uh, shortly going to be uh, doing a much larger relaunch, getting that podcast going again, which we ran for several years. And we've also got a lot uh, coming up soon in terms of video, uh, you know, with the Roku and the Apple TV and all that. Um, There's really no, uh, that that old uh, uh, gripe that, you know, nothing of value was on TV has really been thrown on its head. Now you can watch, you know, very high quality uh, content uh, via YouTube on our TV. So we're, we're trying to get some unschooler content on the TV. Well, good, good. I mean, you can you can pick or choose now. We can be our. You don't have to um, tune into a, a network that's doing making your choices for you. You can make your own choices now. Exactly. Which is great. Which is great. And you've been writing articles. You said for for a that you're you're a great inspiration for mums who can't get their kids to read and write. <laughs> <laughs> so tell I us. Am, you, I... you said you've written lots. <laughs> Yes. Uh, last year, I, I wrote uh, something uh, greater than 1,200 articles. Wow. You do the math. That is a lot of writing. That's several um, a day. When I, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> I, I think I wrote, I think I've written uh, seven articles today alone. Um, oh, goodness. It's, uh, you know, but it's really a remarkable journey I've, I've done in terms of, of reading and writing. I was a late reader. I was a, as an unschooler, I, uh, wasn't pressured to, to, to read or write. 
and it was allowed. I was allowed to unfold. Uh, it's al- it was allowed to unfold naturally. Mm-hmm. So I, I was about ten and a half before I started to read, mm-hmm. and I really didn't start writing until I was uh, about thirteen or fourteen years old, mm-hmm. and. You know, even even four or five years ago, I would have said, there's no way you'd be able to write that many articles. Mm-hmm. It just can't happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, it, it's it's crazy how adaptable we are as humans. You know, we just yeah. I just looked around and said, you know, I have friends who are doing this as, as journalists. I can do this. And so now I'm just churning it out. And that's my day job while I do all this spiritual work. And uh, yeah. uh, I have a the bills. business I'm in the process of launching. So, yeah, yeah. lots of writing. Yeah, yeah, and um, today I think a computer makes it a whole lot easier than it did years ago. Because when you wrote, if you wanted to change anything, you had to start <laughs> again or cross it out. And I used to have arrows all over my pages, you know. And people would say, "How on earth can you, you know, speak from that?" And I'll say, "Well, you know, I just have to keep flipping over and trying to decide where I'm going next." But it's so easy, so much easier on the computer. So, what are you writing about, and who? Who are you? Who are you selling your articles to? <laughs> well, right now, as the uh, the volume may indicate, they're not exactly the highest quality articles uh, relative to what I like to write. I like to write longer pieces, more mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. like the new, stuff you'd see in the New Yorker. That would be mm-hmm. kind of my ideal. Um, this is mostly tech articles. Okay. Uh, a lot of. Uh, stuff about the uh, uh, the telecommunications industry and the the equipment that runs uh, the network that allows us to be talking right now and to uh, you know to be talking no matter where we are on our smartphones. Okay. So uh, a lot of a lot of tech writing right now, and that basically uh, uh, allow gives me the time to focus on some of the other projects I'm doing that I'm launching that are that are not uh, uh, not yet funding themselves. So mm-hmm. I kind of do that on the side mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. I uh, both work yeah. on the spirituality, which I'm doing a lot with, and I'm starting, uh, working at the beginning of stages of starting a relationship coaching business. Yeah. And so that is, uh, you know, the startups take a lot of time, so you kind of have to have a day job while you're getting yeah, it off the ground. That's right. That's right. That's that's right. And right. Um, I, any, have you been back to India since, since you came back, or have you been stuck there? I have. I have. have. I, really? I go to Asia once. Yeah, I go to Asia every year. Okay. And I I do make a point to go to India every year. Uh-huh. Um. So I went. I was back in India last last March. So it's actually mm-hmm. it's been a little longer than a year. Yeah. Um. I've I'm slowly working towards transitioning to spending half of my year in Asia and half of it in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um. And and so I have sort of a home base in. Uh, Thailand, okay. and partially because it's so strategically located and also because it's such a Buddhist country. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, yeah, last year was sort of a scouting trip, I guess you could uh, say. And so I went around to a bunch of places in Asia and sort of found a place in in, in uh, Bangkok. And, I've, and, of course, I had to go to India again, back to a lot mm-hmm. of those monasteries. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, my next trip actually should be in November or December of this year. All right. And and um, talking about that, you you did a fun you you did a fundraiser for uh, that dreadful catastrophe in the Philippines in uh, at the end of last year. Do you want to say something about yeah, that? Typhoon Haiyan. 
Yeah, Typhoon. Yeah, and that actually ties in, that really ties into uh, this larger uh, putting spirituality into practice. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Basically, um, when I came from, um, well, I guess let me tell you about the relief mission, and then I'll tell you more about how we got to that point. Um, As most people know, uh, there was a horrible typhoon that hit the Philippines last November, uh, Typhoon Haiyan. And uh, just to put it in perspective, uh, you know, the Hurricane Katrina in the United States, which, of course, you know, caused so much damage, it had winds of about 74 miles per hour and it, and it killed you know, 1,800 or so people. Typhoon Haiyan had winds of up to 230 miles per hour. Wow. And uh, at least the last I checked, a uh, death toll in the, uh, you know, of about 10,000. So it was, mm-hmm. it was a pretty big typhoon that hit the Philippines. And uh, I had traveling in Asia so much. I had at my I had uh, friends and family in the area, and uh, at first I was worried about them and their safety. And then when they were uh, they they you know communicated with me and said that they were fine, I quickly realized that there was a real opportunity to help um, because there was there was you know part of the the country that was hit was just completely 100 percent devastated. And yeah, I was getting all the international news and the Red Cross was you know, preparing ships and, you know, there, there was the relief supplies was, was gearing up for this international relief effort. But then on the northern tip of Cebu, the island of Cebu in the Philippines, uh, there was uh, a lot of towns that were hit almost as bad. Mm-hmm. You know, something like 90 percent of homes were destroyed and food and water was scarce and they were getting nothing. Yeah. They, they, it was, there was just so much devastation that there was a lot of people being ignored. Mm-hmm. And so I discovered that there was actually food and water and these supplies on the southern part of the island. So uh, I got together with uh, uh, some locals on the ground and we, we started a relief effort where we basically took food from the southern part of the island and shipped it up to the north and, and uh, distributed it to those who had lost pretty much everything. Mm. And we uh, helped uh, feed about a thousand people, and uh, in, in the northern part of Cebu, and uh, it was, uh, you know, I, you hear about these relief efforts, and you, you know, you, about devastation in places, you know, like the Philippines and elsewhere, and you know, you you feel bad, and and yet you feel sort of removed, and mm-hmm. you know, like like what can you really do? And when I when we I first realized that we could actually help these people, you know, I, I wasn't even sure if it would work. I was a little bit, I thought, no, it can't actually work this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, partially because I'm an unschooler, I uh, I realized you just got to go out there and do things. Just just yeah. try it, you know. Yeah. Just because it has, I haven't done it before, doesn't mean that I can't do this. So uh, yeah, it was a wild success, and it was uh, it was really. Um, almost surprising when, when, when I, when I got the first images on the ground of our trucks and our banner and all the people yeah. standing in line, uh, and all the people we helped. Um, I actually, when I came back from, and now how this relates to, to India and my spiritual journey. When I came back from India about, uh, two years ago from sta- living in the monasteries, there was really this question of how to, to put spirituality into practice. Cause we're, most of us, uh, you know, think or talk about it at some point. And, and, but I was really concerned about, you know, having this amazing experience 
sort of being changed, but then coming back and within, you know, five or six months sort of reverting back to my old habits and ways of thinking. So, you know, I didn't just want. I'm going to have to interrupt you right now because we can, (laughs) we're going to go on a break, but we will come back and definitely pick up there. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do. In love, life, and business, she is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. It's time to uncover the inspired team leader within you. Overcome the challenges of hidden agendas and miscommunications that create stress and a lack of productivity. Project management expert Norm Prevost and connection expert Heather Hansen O'Neill will provide you with a consistent infusion of inspiration and team strategies. In addition, your hosts will invite knowledgeable leaders to inject different viewpoints, situations, and solutions for an all-encompassing perspective on achieving winning team performance. Spend one hour each Friday transforming your mindset and increasing your skills. The Inspired Team Leaders Show, your path to innovative ideas and action items you can implement today to create a more productive team and feel amazing in your role. The Inspired Team Leaders Show, heard every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time on ABRN, the all-business radio network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Peter, just before we went on break, you were saying that um, when you had returned a couple of years ago from your your stay in the monastery and I spoke to you, I can remember talking about how you were going to continue living this spiritual life in America because in, in India, it's, it's a whole lot more conducive to that kind of living, whereas in America, we're much more material-oriented and very much, very much more commercial. And you were saying that you had helped... Um, the Philippines, what happened in the Philippines, um, you know, with a relief effort and how that tied in with your actual doing of your spiritual um, learning life um, vows. 
explain tell us tell us how that worked <laughs> yeah um when i got back from the monastery i was concerned about reverting back to a lot of mm. my the ways i was living and thinking prior to that wonderful experience that i really that really changed me mm. uh, you know so i i really needed to put those ideas into practice and i thought seriously about um actually joining the monastic order, becoming a monk, renouncing everything, and and probably ending up moving to India. Um, and I, I came really close to doing that, which would have definitely been one way to put that yes. the time in the monastery uh, into practice. Um, the trick was that for me, um, you know, truth is, is truth no matter where you look at it, but to make truth useful, you have to wrap it in uh, in the culture you're from, and then you mm-hmm. probably have to wrap it in a personal culture. So for me, you know, India, uh, India's truth, while I could feel the truth there, it also sometimes didn't feel quite right because it was Indian culture. And mm-hmm. for, you know, growing up in the United States, I really felt like um, the it felt a little more appropriate for me to have it wrapped in sort of an an American culture. So I ultimately decided not to join an Indian monastery. Mm -hmm. um, And instead, uh, perhaps because of the fact that I had unschooled, I said, you know, I can sort of make an American version of this, I think. Yeah. And so I sort of, I've decided to set out on, Kind of being an American um, monastic in the uh, Vedanta tradition that I had come from in the monastery. So what I'm in the process of doing is um, basically piece by piece uh, moving towards monasticism, working towards voluntary poverty. Uh, currently, I have several places I live, but I don't actually have a home or any place that I call my own. Mm-hmm. I'm moving towards non-possession and a lot of those things that you think about as a monastic, but I'm doing it gradually so it's not too abrupt and I'm liable to you know, reject it at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it at a pace that is sustainable and I'm doing it in a way that really makes sense you know, in my mind to me, mm-hmm. you know, that, that doesn't feel forced basically. Mm-hmm. And so I had this idea, the way, how do you actually put, put that into practice? Um, I had this idea that, well, you know, in, in a typical monastery, you've got this monastic order and they basically give you the basics to live. Uh, you know, they give you enough food, they give you shelter. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, how do I do that in the U.S.? Because, you know, we're kind of in a society where everybody everybody works, everybody, uh, you know, how can I do that as an individual? Do I just go around begging for food? Probably <laughs> not in the United States. You know, that, that might have worked in India in a, in a previous generation, but, you know, it doesn't work here. So I came up with the idea that um, of setting up a, a, a nonprofit that basically I would work but I would give everything to the nonprofit. So I would sort of detach myself from the money. I would work, but I wouldn't, you know, associate it as, as mine. And then the, the nonprofit would sort of work as a, a, a distribution vehicle to give back some of that to me, just enough to live, just, you know, the basics. And it would sort of serve that, that, monast- that monastery role. Um, so I had this idea of starting a, a nonprofit to do that. And then the other part would, of course, be service, you know, giving away the rest of that money to 
to, uh, uh, you know, help people who needed the basics like food mm-hmm. and shelter. So when Typhoon Haiyan came along, I wasn't quite ready to start the, the, this nonprofit, but I said, you know, here's a real opportunity to help people. And so we, we sort of rushed it out the door and got that started. And like I said, we fed about a thousand people. And currently mm-hmm. one of the things I'm doing is, is building this, this uh, not-for-profit, which is called the Philia Mission. Um, uh, setting up the second leg of it, which is really the the first leg, <laughs> the reason that I thought of starting it, which is to to support me as a sort of an American monastic. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And I was going to ask you, as based on on that, and we're we're going to talk just a little bit more about the the depth of spirituality and how you know you can be surrounded by a lot of things that your spiritual life really doesn't wants to reject let's say let's put it that way doesn't doesn't need for himself or herself but perhaps the rest of the world might need it but can you repeat that part Uh, I, i think you might have broken up there vivian you said that you were letting go of your possessions very slowly yes i'm still letting letting go of your possessions slowly and you're letting go uh, you don't actually have a home that you call your own and you're doing it all slowly and there are some people out there that this happens to suddenly like these people in the philippines all of a sudden they had nothing you know and they somehow need to be able to survive so you've got this inner spirit working you know to make so that you can view your world with the catastrophe or the trauma that's just happened and still decide, okay, well, I still want to live. I still want to be here. I still want to be a part of it. What do you have any thoughts on that? Well, well, I think one of the things that when you said that you, you mentioned that how I was moving towards reducing what I have and living in poverty while I was helping people who had poverty removed right away uh-huh. uh, and, and they were left with nothing. There's a, yeah, there's a there's a big difference between me and the people who sort of had the forced poverty mm-hmm. put upon mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of it to really live in poverty, you have to, in the way that I'm trying to do it, I have to want it. <laughs> I have to be okay with mm-hmm. not having stuff. I have to understand mm-hmm. why. If I'm yearning for a big car and I just don't have it, then I'm just poor. Mm-hmm. It, the, the 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 goal is to get to a point where I don't, need the big car. It's okay to enjoy a big car. If I take a ride in a Bentley, I'm not going to mind it, but it's not, I'm not lusting after it. And Mm -hmm. the real idea behind that is uh, about this voluntary poverty thing is to basically we can have internal freedom or we can have external freedom. That was something that was told to me while I was at the monastery that really stuck with me. Internal Normally, we think in, when we talk about freedom, we think of external freedom, the freedom to go anywhere, to do what we want to do. And the trouble is, is that that gets us wanting things and and gets us uh, attached to various, you know, various goals or possessions, which kind of erodes our ability to be internally free. Mm-hmm. You know, internally, I may, for instance, have a belief that, you know, I should, I should treat everybody uh, kindly and never lie to them. But if I want, if I'm also trying to be externally free, I might sacrifice the freedom to actually 
be truthful 100% of the time because at some point I may be confronted with a situation well where if I tell like a white lie then I it'll lead me towards getting that that experience I want or that house I want or that job opportunity mm-hmm. I want and that'll keep me from being able to be honest and free uh, uh, with with my beliefs so I, you can't when the pedal comes to the metal you can't really have both uh, so by giving up some of the things out there that may be nice to have, you know, I'm, I am losing freedom. There are things I can't do, but it's giving me the ability to be completely free inside. Yeah. And that's the freedom that I'm, uh, uh striving towards to really yeah. live authentically, to, to, to live, uh, in a loving way that I, I believe in and to be honest and all those things yeah. that, and, and to not have that be eroded at any point, it, it does require giving things up out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So but you know some of the, the larger picture yeah well uh, but you, you said that they they have your choosing to um be yeah. poor um yeah. or have poverty and they're not but they are leading very very difficult lives that i can't imagine trying to lead without some kind of internal spiritual strength you know Um, to help them live through, go through that. You know, you say, how can you, their children die. There's no medical help. There's, you know, all kinds of things are going on that we take for granted. And yet they're still happy. They pray. They've got, you know, they worship. They've they've still got, yeah. It's, I'm not going to say that they're happier. <laughs> you know, no. I, I I think I think that when when they you know when when you lose a child in the Philippines, it's the same as losing a child in yeah. the U.S. Yeah. You know, when you when you when you they don't have anything, but that doesn't mean that they're any more okay with it than when when we lose something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things you don't need most of those things, but as long as you still think you do, is then then it mm-hmm. it you know it it does bring that suffering. Mm-hmm. And one of the things actually uh, that I learned at the monastery that I really struggled with at first was when I went to the monastery a couple of years ago, I, I really felt like I needed to get unattached to everything, not not enjoy it. But I really didn't. I didn't want anything that I still was craving or de- being defensive against. And so I tried to basically be OK with everything mm-hmm. and you know, nothing. I could sleep on the floor. I could, you know, eat, mm-hmm. get food or not get food, you know, all this stuff. But then I was confronted with the fact that there is such a thing as sleep deprivation. There yeah. is such a thing as starvation. Yeah. And yeah. when you don't, you know, even if I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm okay with starving to death, if that's, you know, the, what God wants for me, then, you know, mm-hmm. so be it. The truth of the matter is when you get to a certain level of starvation, unless you really have built up a lot of discipline, you're probably you're going yeah. to not be very spiritual. You're going to be like, dude, I don't care. You know, I'll throw out the belief system. All right. Well, obviously we need to go on a break. So we'll be back in just a moment. (laughs) How do you handle toddlers, teens, and rage when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. 
If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can with Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches Lessons in Joyful Living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Get ready for Wise Up Radio, leveraging your learning, leadership, and legacy with Donna Kimbrand, the edgy evolutionary, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. If you're an entrepreneurial leader or visionary, stay ahead of your game with insights, tools, and strategies that give you the thought leader's edge. Each week, join Donna and her guests as she'll ask the edgy questions, help you discover game-changing shortcuts to better thinking and learning, how to explore the ripple effects of leadership excellence and how to create your life as a living legacy where the legacy you leave is the life you live. As thought leaders, you need strategies to help you enjoy the confidence and thrill of riding the wave of rapid change. For more on Donna, check out her website, GameChangerThinking.com. Then join the conversation and sharpen up your wits on Wise Up Radio with Donna Kimbrand, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Peter, I'm just going to keep you for a few more minutes. So what I wanted to say before we were leaving, you were saying something about unless you really want to do whatever it is, like um, starve yourself to death or um, be, be poor, unless you really, really want to do that, when it starts to happen to you, other parts of your spiritual life are going to suffer. And you know, suffering, because everybody, uh, everybody suffers, suffering uh, becomes meaningless. It's how we respond to it that gives it the meaning. And so if you're going to be angry and jealous about constantly looking around and going, well, they've got this and I don't have that. And, but that's what I want to do because I want to be a, you know, a better person or a deeper person. But, oh gosh, I really do want that over there. It's just going to be it's not going to have any meaning at all. Yeah. So that's well, that's pretty much, I think, yeah. What you what you're one saying. One of the things I just one of the things I discovered was that you know there are certain minimal basics you need. You know, mm-hmm. you do need a minimal amount of basic food, mm-hmm. sleep, and mm-hmm. some of that you can dial back. But there's there are some basics that are unless you are at a really high as spiritual place, you know, you probably need that. And then there's a whole bunch of things we want, and that's yeah. the part that. We attack first because there's so yes. much that can be reduced. Um, 
if you, uh, you know, you take care of the basics and that's part of what the helping the poor is about. You know, we're, we weren't about giving them things they wanted. We were about giving them things that every human being needs. Yeah. Food, yeah. for instance. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if you wanted to talk about more about unschooling or relationship coaching or if you just want to continue along with the spiritual stuff. I, I know we're drawing to a close here. So if there's no, I no, to, I was uh, I, continue yeah. hammering on here. No, no, that was that was perfect because we talk. I talk on my show about homeschooling all the time. Sometimes it's nice to kind of break out of that a little bit. And of course, I've introduced you as an unschooler, which just just proves that yeah. you know we have we have this unique um, view on life. It's a it's a different kind of world view. But there's somewhere that you can come, go. Go ahead. It does come back to unschooling, though. Yeah, it it, it definitely comes back to unschooling. You know, mm-hmm. I've I've been writing about. Uh, and and interviewing people about unschooling for more than 20 years. And, you know, there's a few things that keep coming back. And and one of them is that if you question something so fundamental as the school system, as you kind of have to do if you're unschooling or Mm -hmm. homeschooling, um, it it leads you to ask, well, what else can I question? Mm -hmm. And that process is probably the only reason that I'm, you know, moving towards voluntary poverty because mm-hmm. you know everything around me is saying, you know, hey, you should have material possessions. You should be working on that that first or second house. You should be having a big bank account, mm-hmm. and that's what I get. If it gets sent to me via you know the the my society day in and day out, but then I stop and go, well, geez, you know, is there something deeper too? You know, and and that's that comes from the unschooling, my unschooling background, that mm-hmm. willingness to question, to say, just because most people are saying one thing that doesn't necessarily mean it's true, mm-hmm. and then to live it, to, to experiment with my own life, to put these ideas into practice and to mm-hmm. be daring enough to put them into practice. Yeah. And I would never be doing this if it were not for unschooling. Really? Really? And but you, I was going to ask you. You surely you've met other people similar to you who have similar ideas who weren't unschooled. So do you think it's their oh, yeah. parents? Do you think it's their environment, their culture? Maybe artistic <laughs> people. I don't know. You know that lead a spiritual life. You mean? No, that they that say that, that make these questions and 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 ask. You know, the question, I suppose Anybody, they end up being the entrepreneurs that don't go to college and drop out of school and drop out of, you know. Anybody can ask the question. It's just mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, you, you, you have to be open-minded enough. You you do have to get a hint that there's more out there. And there's mm-hmm. many ways to do that. It could just be, you could just have had a bad time in school, for instance. Or, you know, you could see people, the way people come home from work at most jobs and they're worn out, tired, yeah. and, you know, not yeah. fulfilled, you know, that could spark it. So it's certainly not limited to unschooling. I just think that uh, unschooling does lead you to realize that there are many ways of living and to question these fundamental assumptions. You know, most yeah. of the time when I question them, I come back to the same answers that society more or less has. Mm-hmm. But every now and then I'm like, hmm, yeah. you know, is this the only yeah. way? Yeah, and, and that, that absolutely leads me to some place like uh, a monastery in India. Yeah, well, encouraging our children to um, think about don't just do what everybody else is doing. Don't be a sheep. Go out there yeah. and you know lead or or you know just do something that 
is good for you, I think. You know, you're right. I see a lot of people who are just working and they're not liking what they're doing at all. And I think I love every minute of every day that I live. You know, I really enjoy yeah. what I'm doing. I don't have to do anything for anybody. And, and yet I do. I, I do lots of things for lots of people, but there's no money True. involved yeah. and there's no, there's no pressure. And that's just how I want to live. Other people might want to live differently to that. But uh, most of people I you talk to, see, most of, yeah, go ahead. You do see a lot of unschoolers that are entrepreneurial. Yeah. And part of that just comes from the fact that, you know, our, our first business is running our own education yeah, in the case of right. unschooling. Um, right. And also, yeah, you know, it gets you questioning things and that does, yeah. leave, you know, it gets you to be self-directed. And Absolutely. those are a lot of the qualities you need to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. So you do you do see a higher percentage. I've been interviewing grown homeschoolers for a long time. And mm. you definitely see a higher percentage of self-starters and entrepreneurs yeah. in that Absolutely. community. Well, Peter, thank you so much for joining me uh, this afternoon. I've been talking to Peter Kowalki, an unschooling advocate, best known for his work on grown homeschoolers and the lasting influence of unschooling. Peter lives in New York City. He speaks at home education conferences. Well, you used to. Do you still do that? <laughs> I do, although I'm transitioning <laughs> a little into uh, uh, relationship coaching and, and okay, s- okay. spiritual stuff. So, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. next time you'll have me on and I'll talk about re- how to have Please. deep relationships. <laughs> yes, do. Yes, do. And you can find Peter at the Unschooler Experiment. I've got both of, both of his sites or where he is. The Vedanta, AmericanVedanta.com is the other place where you write. Is that right? Uh, that's the for a lot of the spiritual work I do. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to have both those linked, both on my, my website and on the Toginet um, radio show page. Peter, thank you so much for provoking our thoughts this afternoon. You have a wonderful <laughs> rest of the summer, and you have a safe weekend this weekend. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Bye. Right, well, you know, while we're on our walks... Um, with the dogs, I'm telling you, we have to go out when it's pouring with rain with them because otherwise they don't get to go out. And so I have an umbrella, the other one broke, and the dogs just love it. And we've got this big dog uh, who, when it thunders, he's really scared. He comes and wants to lie on my lap. He's like this 90-pound massive dog. But when we take him out and it thunders, he just doesn't care. So that's the place for him. He needs to be outside when it's pouring with rain. But the other day when we were out on our walk, we met some neighbors who live across the canal, and um, they were in their golf cart and they asked are you ready to go home yet and we said oh no not at all because both um my blue-eyed cowboy and i are writing and i'm writing a book and um it's really nice not to have any interruptions it's just not our own place so we don't have to be constantly looking around thinking oh i need to paint that wall or you know want to want to do something so we don't have to do that and so we sit at our laptops and we're like Sally and her brother in Dr. Seuss's book, The Cat and the Hat, wait for something to happen to maybe change our day. Otherwise, we're just stuck at our computers. And we write and we check mails, emails, and we search the um, internet for inspiration. And um, every now and again, I'll have a random word or a random phrase will pop into my head to look up. And, you know, I go Google it. And I just love doing that. And um, everything is just right there at our fingertips. And if we want a break, we just have to make ourselves get up from our desks or our table. My blue-eyed cowboy works at his at the dining room table out near the kitchen. And um, 
we do that. And uh, sitting on a computer for more than three hours actually gets me. It, it wears me out. My um, cowboy is a lot more resilient than I am. But I have a notebook on my desk and I have my my dictionary, my, my short Oxford dictionary that I can look things up in. And I have my Bible so that I can quote from it if I need to accurately. And um, um, there are, as I said, sometimes we say, oh, well, when are the children going to call? And the children do call us. They call us sometimes during their lunch break. And they'll call us in the evening um, just before they go to bed. And now I've got one son. He's out in California and I'm over in Florida. So there are three hours between us. So when he calls me just now getting ready for bed, it's only six o'clock in the evening for him. You know, it might be nine or ten when he calls when when um when he calls me and uh, we do miss the children we miss them popping in before work for a cup of coffee and a chat and we miss phone calls from the train as our oldest son makes his way into the office and wants to shoot the breeze with someone um, uh, we miss the ups and downs of everyday life with four grown children still within a mile from home uh, the caring for the problem solving the advising the helping the mainstay we came for everyone's lives and um but no interruptions means that we get to spend more time on the task at hand, which is good. No interruptions may also lead to, you know, feelings of loneliness, a sense of being all washed up. Perhaps this week we'll go to Fort Myers um, for lunch or something uh, just to break the, um, the routine of being at home. But we're kind of enjoying our quiet life. And oops, here we go. End of my show for another week. I'm off to pick up my MacBook in Fort Myers. Oh, maybe we can stay and have dinner today. And we'll probably spend the weekend catching up on my missed days of writing this week. It was in the shop for five days. A visit to the world market for some English food supplies will help oil the wheels of creativity for me. Maybe my fishing cowboy will catch something to cook on the grill. Hey, miracles do happen. And there's plenty of salmon and tuna in the freezer if he doesn't. Thank you for listening to Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNeil. Nanny, and I'll be back same time, same place next week. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my producer this week, Casey, my guest this week, Peter Kowalki, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, and Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Olivia, Julia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned all the time to Toginet. Catch lots of great shows to help you through through your day. Take care and be safe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop, doop, doop. Doop, Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian.